Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'll talk about dreamlining. And that is a concept from the four-hour work week, and I'll give you all the background and tell you how to do it as well. This is a rebroadcast, so if it sounds familiar, it was back from, I don't know, like 70 episodes ago or something like that. It's been a little while. I think it is important to revisit exercises like this, especially if this type of exercise really connects with you. And it'll become clear through the episode here when I explain it, but it wasn't something like really big on my radar. I didn't think it was going to make a difference, but it turns out that I think it did. So quick note, because it it's a rebroadcast, I probably owe you an explanation. One, I'm trying to take advantage of the back catalog. The other is I just got back in town from San Diego and I'm just recording the intro, but because this is such a great episode, I felt very comfortable to rebroadcast it. And here it is. So I'll tell you a little bit about my experience with dreamlining, and then I'll explain what it is and how to do it. You might have heard of dreamlining from the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And I think probably a lot of people listening to this have read the four hour work week. Funny enough, I did not read it until I think 2014 or so. So I had heard about the four hour work week for a few years, but just never picked it up and thought I kind of got some of the main ideas. But eventually I, I did pick it up and read it. I can't remember if it was before or after I started listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast and I got the audiobook first and then eventually got the print book. Overall, I would say the four hour work week is a little bit dated now. I mean, it has been several years, but many of the ideas hold up. And if you scour the podcast directories, you'll find some podcasts where they talk about the four hour work week and how it's aged over time. I would say after you read it, um, you may want to tread lightly. You'll probably sound a little bit pretentious uh, if you try to tell people about the ideas and you start talking about the, quote, new rich. Now, uh, unfortunately, I know that from experience. I think I was pretty excited after I read the four-hour work week and started grabbing hold of some of the ideas and trying to run forward with them. And like I said, I actually checked out the audiobook and yeah, even the narrator sounds pretty pretentious. And I think, I mean, it worked for, you know, what it was trying to do. Uh, overall, the principles are pretty great. And I mean, I'm sharing things about dreamlining here. So for me, I did a dreamline and my wife did one too, again, circa, I would say early 2014 or so. And the funny thing is we did this exercise. It maybe took about an hour and then we talked about what we wrote in our dream line. And essentially it's writing down your dreams and then applying a timeline to your dreams so that you could potentially accomplish them. So fairly straightforward, but it's not like a trivial easy thing to do because a lot of times I would say in our day to day, you're not thinking, oh, what do I want to accomplish? What are my dreams? And then how do we get there? But the cool thing is we did this exercise and generally 
anything on the list that was kind of important, I did. Like I actually accomplished everything on my list, even though I didn't set out and actually, you know, have the list in front of me every day or every week or anything. I literally did this exercise, put it away, and then didn't think or look at it for years. And then after some time went by, I realized, well, holy shit, I've done basically everything on the list. And I'll share some of the stuff that was on my my list so that you can see and hear and understand how it sort of played out. Here's a quick thanks to our sponsor, Otis Global. They're the source for premium age domains with great branding and fantastic backlinks. The featured domain for today is mommydigger.com, which seems like an odd name to me, but it was in the parenting niche, kind of a mom blog featuring product reviews, giveaways, recipes, crafts, and more. It had a lot of presence across a lot of social media platforms as well. And this is checking in with a domain rating of 14, domain authority of 30. It's uh, fairly old at 11 years old, back from 2011. And I think with a, a blog, a topic area like this, the mom blog spot may seem really kind of saturated. You may feel like, oh, there's so many out there. But the fact is you can cover so much and there are new blogs popping up all the time. I I mentioned this often in the podcast and, and different times when I have a chance. Basically, a lot of things are a bit competitive, but there's plenty of room for everyone. Everyone can have a little bit of a different take. It's pretty awesome to have uh, the ability to cover long tail, low competition keywords, informational in nature. And I think you can do a lot of that here. When you check out some of the um, you know big backlinks, some of the impressive backlinks here, you have uh, blogger.com, WP Engine, you got Lifehack, yourmodernfamily.com, bloglovin, and so on. Uh, there's one called Mass Whole Mommy dot com as well, which seems unusual, but there's a ton of backlinks. You got 500 plus unique referring domains and about 200 of those are do follow. So it's worth checking out. You can hop over to Otis. And if you join using my affiliate link, you can get a hundred dollars into your account or well, in addition, if you buy something, I might get a commission, which I greatly appreciate. So thanks to Otis Global and let's get back to the show. So I'll tell you about my dream line here. And there are a few different areas. I'll explain all the different things and how to do this, of course. However, I'm just going to sort of summarize things that were on my dream line and go from there. So number one, having a house in Colorado, which we now live in Colorado. We actually lived in Montana for four years and had great mountain views. It was actually a, I would say, ideal place to live where we were at in Montana. And I loved the place that we lived, the town and the neighborhood and everything. I really like the place we live in Colorado as well. There's just a few more people in a little bit more city around, I would say. It's a little bit of a bigger town, bigger uh, population base overall. So, 
that's less desirable just in general. But house in Colorado, it was literally on the list, the first thing on the list, and we now live in Colorado. I mentioned a new truck, which turned out to not actually be an important thing. And, you know, part of this is you brainstorm and you write a lot of things down and you throw out about 80% of it and you just stick to the top 20% or so. So there's some waste on here, but I'm going to tell you about all the stuff. So house in Colorado, new truck, I say less clothing and less stuff in general. I say I want a nicer blender and I say I want to have a good workspace and office. Another area is to hike more, walk more. I note that I want to visit Vermont, Rhode Island, and Idaho. Those are three states that I had not visited, and that would complete all 50 states for me. I note visiting the UK. I say work no more than 10 to 15 hours per week. I say I want to go to a coffee shop once a week and visit all continents. And I I note six here. So I guess I'm throwing out Antarctica. I say I want to go to Iceland. I say I want to drive to Alaska and go to the driving range two times per month. I also have on here, I want to be a quote, highly followed blogger. I want to publish a book. I want to write more And I want to have a highly followed YouTube channel. And I say I want to run two half marathons. And then I also say I want to be able to do 25 pull-ups and 100 push-ups. Then you're supposed to basically pick your top four items from that list that I just gave you. And like I said, I, I... I picked a few. One is to work less than 10 hours per week. I wanted to have 3,000 email subscribers or 10,000 visitors per month to my blog and also meditate twice a day for 10 to 20 minutes, which I didn't note in the other list. So overall, I'll tell you some of the things that I was actually able to do, some things that were kind of dumb and just kind of in my mind and fresh things that I was thinking about when I did the Dreamline, but turned out that it wasn't actually a priority. So truck, like I I have my same old truck. I'm actually thinking of selling it right now. I did get a nicer blender. That's a pretty easy problem to solve. I have a great workspace in every place that I've lived um, since I did this Dreamline. I've had a very nice workspace, sometimes with mountain views, sometimes uh, with, you know, at this point, I'm in a basement with no windows, but it's a awesome workspace and it's perfect for what I'm doing. I'm actually hiking more and I've gone up and down hiking um, more or less depending on what's going on. I really enjoy it that much. So I'd rather go walk around outside than uh, go to the driving range or to a golf course or anything like that. And one huge thing is I actually did drive to Alaska in 2019. And as I mentioned before, I didn't even get this list out. I wasn't thinking, hey, I need to try to accomplish this thing. these things. I just uh, maybe put it in the back of my mind and just slowly ended up doing a few of them. Some of the other stuff like having a YouTube channel and writing more and having more visitors on the blog and stuff like that, I've actually been able to do those. 
since uh, then, I actually did run a few half marathons, but if you remember some of the recent episodes, I eventually sort of overtrained and got injured and I haven't quite figured out how to run quite as far, but I've adapted and I'm not beating my body up as much. At one point in time, I actually could do 100 push-ups in a row. I did uh, some training for a bit, and I don't think I ever was able to do 25 pull-ups. I think I got up to like 22 or 24, but I never got to 25. I was like right, right on the cusp, and I ended up getting like some... I think it was sort of light tendonitis in my elbows, again, from just sort of over training and just usage. But eventually I got to do where I could do quite a few pull-ups. I'm way out of practice now, but um, overall, I've been able to do a lot of the things that were important to me. So let's go over what to do if you want to dreamline. So as I mentioned before, You list out your dreams and then you apply a timeline. I don't think in the book that Tim Ferriss ever mentions that specifically. So you hear dreamlining and it may not be quite apparent what dreamlining is, but it's combining dreams and then you apply a timeline. Here are the four main steps. And I think there's probably a blog post on uh, Tim Ferriss's blog. You could probably find this specifically and have all his commentary in there as well. Number one, you list your dreams. Number two, you narrow down the top four. Number three, you determine the monthly cost, which we didn't even talk about that at all in my uh, notes there. And then number four, you determine three steps for each of the four dreams. Now, I'm going to break it down for you step by step, just like the book's And sometimes I'm actually going to quote Tim Ferriss and what was in the book or likely paraphrase. More likely it's going to be some paraphrasing, but you can follow along in your own book if you want to. And if you haven't done this exercise, highly encourage it. It forces you to think about what you want to do. Step number one is to list your dreams. And you should treat this like brainstorming. So there's no bad ideas, just get them out of your brain. And then you're going to throw a lot of these out later. So note what you would want to do if there was no way that you could fail. If you were smarter than everyone else in the world, you're going to start with a six-month list and then you'll do a 12-month list as well. So a six-month timeline and a 12-month timeline. Tim breaks it down to three different areas, having being, and doing. And here are some examples of each one so you have the right idea. Having would be like having a house or a boat, car, guitars, clothes, whatever. Being would be like being a great cook, a great home brewer, maybe fluent in a language, or maybe learning fingerstyle guitar. Doing is like traveling, so like traveling to South America, maybe going to beer destinations, maybe trace your family roots, maybe it's activities like skydiving or maybe flying a plane or writing a novel. So for each of those areas, having, being, doing, list at least five things for both the six-month and the 12-month timeline. So like I said, 
this is like brainstorming. So you're going to end up with quite a few things on here. And some of them might be things you don't find important in the future. Maybe you just get them out of your brain and then you, uh, you know, you don't think about them again. So this whole exercise is pretty powerful when you have a full-time job. And I had a full-time job when I did this for the first time. So a demanding job is kind of stressful. Maybe you feel a little trapped, like you don't have enough time to do the stuff you want to do, but really you don't even know what you would do if you had the time and the resources. It's a little crazy, and I remember that feeling because I used to complain about being underpaid and having to travel and not being happy and not having a life, but I don't even know what I would have done if I had the time and I wasn't traveling. So the interesting thing is once you get done, you're going to realize that you could probably do what you dream about. So we're going to back into it here. And if you have trouble coming up with things, Tim Ferriss has this tip. Think about what you hate or fear or really dislike. Then you can list the opposite of that. So it won't be exactly right, but it should get you unstuck and closer to the things that should make you happier. So remember, no one's going to see the list. Don't list things out of guilt, like solve global warming or the plastic straw issue or anything like that that you think people will be impressed with. List the shit that is important to you, even if, you know, maybe you feel a little silly writing it down. You don't have to choose that. So don't worry about how to actually accomplish anything yet. Don't repress anything. It's just your list. So if it's something that will improve your well-being or your life or make you feel good, list it. If you want a fancy car that's impractical, then list it. If you want a guitar like me that uh, maybe you can't even play that well, but you think it would be fun to have, list that as well. And side note, it's actually turned out to be pretty fun to find guitars that are enjoyable to play. And I've actually been playing more, which is um, a little bit kind of a, well, I mean, hopefully I was going to be playing more anyway if I got a nicer guitar, but it's been a lot of fun. So we're going to filter these down in a bit. So remember, there's some things that you're not going to go after. List them anyway. If you're still stuck, here are a couple cheats that Tim listed. So you could put one place to visit, one thing to do before you die, one thing to do daily, one thing to do weekly, and one thing you always wanted to learn. And side note, a friend of mine, he's he's probably like 45 or so. Apparently, he wanted to be a pilot when he was a kid, but for some reason, he got it in his head that he needed to be good at math and he wasn't good at math. So he never really looked into becoming a pilot or learning how to fly. And then I think in the last year, he realized, oh, fuck, I can't. I can learn how to fly. I could take some lessons and he is, I think he's able to fly solo right now. So he's, he put in the time, he took the lessons, he, you know, flew a bunch with an instructor and now he could fly on his own. Pretty amazing. Okay. Now you need to go back to the being list and make it maybe a little more tangible and actionable. So if you noted you wanted to be a great cook, 
Maybe you want to cook Christmas dinner without help. Or if you wanted to be fluent in a language, you want to have a conversation with a coworker in a foreign language, assuming that's like their native language, for example. Or fingerstyle guitar, which is something I am pursuing right now. I am learning this song by Fleetwood Mac called Never Going Back Again, which is a pretty tough non-beginner fingerstyle guitar song, and it's pretty tough. If you noted Great Home Brewer, maybe you want to brew every week for a year or brew every style in the BJCP style guidelines. So you're making it a specific goal with some guidelines so you have an idea what you need to do to accomplish that thing. So after you convert that being list over to actionable sort of items, you pick four from the six-month list and four from the 12-month list. And that is from each of the different categories, the having, doing, and being. So pick four total, all right? So pick four total. And after that, you will determine the cost of each of the four, and then you'll calculate the target monthly income. If it's something that you can finance, you can note the monthly cost. I don't necessarily encourage people to take on debt to do this, but you have to look at your total situation. I'm generally debt averse, but if it's something that you could finance, you can note the monthly cost. It's a big point, but think of the monthly cost and cash flow not the total cost. So in the book, Tim mentions a Lamborghini might be two or $300,000 total, but maybe the monthly cost is $3,000. Or maybe, more practically, you don't need to own it. Maybe you can rent your dream car for like a day or a month or whatever. So you have the fun of driving the car keeping it for a little while, but you don't have the headache of owning it, like maintenance, worrying about scratches or storage or adding it to your insurance and all the other things that you have to put up with if you own a fancy car like that. Or maybe you want a house in the Rocky Mountains near Yellowstone. So that might be 500 or 500,000 or a million dollars or 1.5 million. But instead, maybe you could rent a place for a month or two. And uh, maybe it's only like 5K a month or something a lot more reasonable than, you know, a million bucks to get a house in a super cool location. Some of the costs are going to be zero or very low. And that's totally fine. So some things just require time and flexibility and being intentional about doing those. Like I said before, when I worked a lot of hours in my corporate job, I wasn't even sure what I wanted. I I just knew I was stressed and I didn't have time to do much of anything else and I wasn't happy. So even if I wanted to do something almost free or completely free at my house, I wouldn't have been able to do it because I felt so busy and stressed out. Or maybe I was like traveling and on the road and I barely could keep the household going. I could just do laundry, get a few groceries, and then it was back on a plane. So anyway, come up with a total cost of the top four items for each of the timelines, six month and 12 month, and then 
just to be safe, multiply the totals by 1.3 for a little buffer of safety and um, hopefully a little savings. So the total will probably be lower than you expect. And I realized that living like a millionaire maybe didn't cost that much. It was really about the freedom with your time and having options. Sure, you can do shit that's really expensive, but people might look like millionaires by spending a lot of money conspicuously while they're actually borrowing most of their money to pay for it. Now, it depends on what you have on your list, right? If you're traveling the world, it could be relatively expensive if you do it in certain ways. But when we peel back everything here, um, it doesn't really matter if you're spending conspicuously to me. It's totally up to you. Um, I'm not here to judge. And the point is, maybe the things that you want aren't as expensive as you think. And it's really time and flexibility that you need. So after you determine the cost, you will hopefully be a little surprised that it could be a little bit cheaper than what you were expecting. After that, you need to determine three steps to take action to accomplish each of the four items on both of the list. So first is a step that you should complete now, like right after you finish doing this Dreamline exercise. Then come up with something to do tomorrow before 11 a.m. And then one thing to do the next day also before 11 a.m. And Tim is really driving you to take action and don't delay, don't mess around. I mean, he's even putting a deadline of 11 a.m. so that your day doesn't get away from you. Each action should take five minutes or less, if not break it down more. If you're not sure what to do, the first, probably best step is to find someone that has done it before and ask for advice on how to do it and what they did. Another example is to schedule a meeting or sign up for a class that you'll feel bad about canceling. You can use your guilt to encourage you to follow through and force you to move forward. So the class or maybe online course or scheduling a meeting or going to a meetup, that could really apply for you know some of the things like language learning or if you want to cook or maybe take a homebrew class or if you're learning guitar, you can sign up for lessons that you're sort of invested in. And like I said, you may feel bad canceling and may have, a, I guess, a little bit of a financial penalty by not following through. So that's the general idea with dreamlining. As I mentioned before, I didn't actually move forward in the same way that Tim suggests where each day you're trying to take a little action to get closer to it. I wrote these things down, tucked the paper away, and just kept living my life. It was about a year later when I got laid off from my job. But, you know, along the way, one thing that happened was uh, my wife and I sold our condo in Georgia, in the Atlanta metro area there. And we started traveling a little bit. So we were technically, I guess we were digital nomads for about three months or so. And, and then we signed a lease, but we were still sort of 
I would say transient. We weren't like necessarily permanently moved in a lo- to the location. I mean, we we changed our license and stuff like that. So we had a permanent address and everything in Montana. But essentially, we were we were kind of on the road and traveling around for three months before we signed that lease. And it sort of marked a point where we realized that we could make sort of drastic decisions. And one great thing is even if you're making big decisions, you can potentially like reverse them, right? There's maybe a little bit of fear, or at least for us, we were scared to make these big decisions because we thought, oh, what if, what if we're moving to the wrong place? What if we can't find the job there? What if we miss something about where we used to be at? It turns out that things are reversible. There's very few things that are uh, like that you can't adapt. There are very few things where you can't go back or change the situation. So if we realized, hey, we, we don't like Montana, we could have moved right back to the same area that we moved from. Um, luckily it turned out that we enjoyed the change and we enjoyed the, the change of uh, geography and just moving to a whole new place and making new friends and stuff like that. It was a good move for us. And, you know, when I step back and think about, you know, friends and relatives that have moved across the country or moved to different countries, like there's so much flexibility that we have, but it's very easy to be complacent. And my wife and I were both guilty of that going to the, you know, perhaps the easiest school for us to get into for generally what we thought we could be a good match for career wise, and then got the jobs that were easy enough for us to get. And we stayed at at companies for probably a little too long versus learning what we could and then hopping to another company where we could learn more develop more skills. We just kind of stayed in the easiest place for, for a long time. And now that we've realized that we can make sort of bigger decisions, control things that we want to control, we're a lot more likely to do it again and again, and maybe do things that we would have thought to be very risky in the past. But it turns out like we don't feel that same, I guess, fear for doing things that we perceive to be risky. Maybe maybe they are actually risky, but really most of the time I think it's the perception. So, do let me know if you have done a dream line. It actually if you want to share your dream line or pieces of it or how it impacted your life, I would love to hear your story. So feedback at doug.show, you can send me some information about that. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I've heard specifically about dreamlining or people that have gone and worked through it. You know, the one funny thing is so many people have read the four hour work week and some people that I know, uh, like they'll reference it and stuff. And I asked them, Oh yeah, did you do the dreamline exercise? Most of them have not. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny. That's, it's a big piece. It's a big piece of the book and kind of the driving I mean, it's early in the book, so it's kind of, it's a piece that you have to do. It's a prerequisite for the rest of the book in a lot of ways. Sure, you could cherry pick the items you want to do, but I did remember one thing that I should share. So after going through the exercise in 2014, I realized, oh, a lot of this stuff 
isn't necessarily super expensive. It just requires flexibility. And one thing for me is if I'm not stressed and I'm not like in a rush to get somewhere, that feels like pretty luxurious. And I guess everyone can have a different perception of, you know, what millionaires or rich people look like. I think in the sort of community that I'm in now with the financial independence folks, and I mean, I'm not particularly frugal and there's a wide range of people in the FI community, but some people are outwardly frugal and they wear it sort of a, as a badge of honor. And sometimes it's like, it's kind of a fucking waste of time if they're doing a lot of things to be frugal and they're wasting, they're wasting their time running around maybe in a kind of a contrived example, if they're going far out of their way, going to multiple different stores to get the best deals on things versus the convenience of just going to like one store and getting things and saving time. So for me, you know, sometimes the frugality can be a little bit much. And as I mentioned, some people sort of take so much pride in it that they'll do some things that don't necessarily add up. They don't seem logical, all the effort to just be frugal. But I think I'm, I started to uh, lose my point here. Overall, the perception of what it looks like to be a millionaire could be much different than what it is. With all the sort of credit that's available and financing that we can get, you can have a very fancy car and really nice clothes and a huge house and all that stuff and be, you know, very far in debt. Or you can have a crappy truck like mine, live kind of in a small house and uh, have a lot of money saved. So it's, it's really hard to tell. And for me, like I said, I'm very happy if I'm not stressed, if I'm not running around in a rush and I feel calm and I have flexibility. If someone shoots me a text, says, hey, you want to come over and have a beer? And I have free time in the afternoon on a weekday. That's great. That That's, that's what I want, to have that sort of flexibility. Now, it's not going to be like that every day, but... If you could do that every now and then, that feels really good to me. All right, final little thing here, quick favor. If you haven't left a review out there for The Doug Show, I would appreciate it if you did, or tell a friend about the show as well. That's a great way for us to reach more folks, and that makes me happy. So I'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day out there.